as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the sixfold Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot And I'm Andy Wilson, aka Citizen Bot, also a Big Shiny Robot And we actually have four overall pretty decent movies uh, I know one of them Andy's going to talk about in a second The Beast of No Nation that he was the worst of the bunch, and by saying worst, I mean it was actually better than average. Uh, but aside from that, we also have Bridge of Spies with Tom Hanks, Goosebumps, the R.L. Stein mystery books as a kid turned into a movie, and then the Guillermo del Toro uh, horror film Crimson Peak. But Andy, why don't you kick, kick it off with Beasts of No Nation? Yeah, this was a really good week for movies. I don't know what was going on. But um, Beasts of No Nation... They're making it up for September. (laughs) Beasts of No Nation, you might have seen show up on your Netflix queue, uh, which is really interesting, uh, because Netflix both uh, put this out into theaters and made it available streaming on the same day, which is pretty revolutionary. This has been making the rounds at the film festival circuit, one at Telluride and at Toronto... And uh, really deserving of those accolades. This movie stars Idris Elba as a charismatic general of a rebel army. Uh, the only problem, uh, his soldiers are all kids. Ew. So yeah, this is the this is the story about child soldiers, and man, is it heartbreaking. Um, our story isn't actually even really about Idris Elba's character. It's about a young 12-year-old boy named Adu, and he is uh, growing up in an unnamed African nation, a fairly normal life, and then the Civil War starts sweeping through the country. Uh, They show up at his city's doorstep. His family's torn apart. His mother and uh, sister flee, and he is left with his uh, brother and grandfather and father uh, as the the army moves in and starts to execute everyone for being suspected rebels. Um, so, yeah, he gets to see his father and brother murdered right in front of him. And he escapes into the bush and um, meets up with this rebel army that he and his family were accused of being a part of. And yeah, they're child soldiers. Um it it goes from bad to better to worse as things move along and you it really puts the screws to you because uh, here he is he's being oppressed by uh, these government forces I mean they murdered his family um, these are not good people so he's joining the rebels but they're also really not good people so he's left kind of without a moral compass and uh, there's a lot going on about loyalty and uh, right and wrong. And uh, you just see him go down this path. And, of course, uh, their charismatic leader, played to a T by Idris Elba, is everything that you'd expect of him. Really, really, really depressing, but very good. Beautiful, gorgeous cinematography might even be worth seeing on a big screen if this is something that really interests you and this is one of the like 
200 art house cinemas across the country that is showing this. Uh, you can go check it out if you feel like crying in a theater. If you feel like crying at home, um, you can check it out on Netflix. I, I just I want to support this because I think this is really cool that Netflix is picking up these art house movies and putting them into theaters and making them available streaming mm-hmm. uh, day and date. I think that's the future for small independent releases like this that otherwise most people wouldn't get a chance to see. I'm giving this six and a half out of ten. Not an amazing movie, but it's one of those niche movies that, uh, like I said, I think this is more about the distribution model that I really want to get out there than anything else. Yeah, what's actually really interesting about the distribution model is a lot of big theater chains are boycotting this movie uh, due to the fact that Netflix is streaming it right away and not waiting the typical 90 days that a theater has to uh, run theaters and get their money out of it. So like AMC, Regal, Cinemark, a lot of the big names are saying, no, we're not going to run this because you're not playing by the rules. Uh, but interestingly enough is Alamo Drafthouse says, screw it, we don't care, we'll show it. Yep. And uh, and there's another cinema here in in town, The Violet Crown, that's also showing it. Uh, also, and, you know, they're, they're the more effete Alamo Drafthouse. Ew. <laughs> in Austin, yeah. They're hoity-toity, right in the middle of downtown Austin. You have to drink your sangria with pinkies out there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's what it's all about. So, overall, um, an overall pretty good movie for Beast of No Nation. Now, the one that you got to see that I'm really upset about, because uh, I had to work, like we mentioned last week, I had to work through Pan, Dodged a Bullet. Unfortunately, I had to also work through Bridge of Spies which I know you and a couple of people over Big Shiny were just raving about the other day. Yeah, and this is really deserving of all of those rave reviews. This is actually the first time that I can remember on Big Shiny Robot where we have done a roundtable review of a movie and every single one of us came back with the exact same score and every single one of us gave it a 10 out of 10. Um, that is telling of exactly how good this film is. Bridge of Spies is directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, written by Matt Chapman and the Coen brothers, and stars Tom Hanks as uh, a lawyer, an insurance lawyer, named James Donovan, who is thrust into the middle of history uh, during the Cold War when he is asked to defend an accused Soviet spy uh, played by Mark Rylance. And Mark Rylance here is the real star of this movie. He plays this accused spy, Abel, with this very calm and serene demeanor. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just a wonder to behold. And uh, yeah, he's definitely a spy. You see him in the opening minutes of the movie, engaging in spycraft. There's no doubt that he is spying on the United States for the Soviet Union and the Eastern Bloc. Never a question of that whatsoever. But uh, so Mr. Donovan comes in here and he's like, hey, you know what? This guy, he's not so bad. He's just doing a job. He's doing the same job that we have people that are doing over there. So we should probably treat him 
the way that we would want one of ours to get treated over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't you know it, a few months later, one of our U-2 planes gets shot down over southern Russia and Turkey. And suddenly uh, the Russians have some leverage. And so Donovan is asked to step in to negotiate a prisoner exchange between these two spies so we can get our boy back and we can give them Abel back. Uh, It is tense. It is incredibly interesting. This this script by the Coen brothers, I mean, we, we think of the Coens as being very funny, but we forget movies like Miller's Crossing and No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. They are real masters of suspense as well when they want to be. And this is that beautiful blend of both that dramatic Coenness and a kind of um, quippy charm that that they just show they just throw in every once in a while to help ease the tension because otherwise this would just be tension for two hours and 20 minutes um Mm -hmm. this is a long movie but it never feels it uh it is just absolutely great fun to watch and a great story and as far as i can tell pretty historically accurate um, I'm sure they've taken some liberties here or there with some of the source material, but to my understanding of the U2 incident and what happened, this is fairly true uh, to what actually went on. For my mind, this is one of Spielberg's best. This is one of the Coen brothers' best. This is one of Tom Hanks's best. And so if you think of that Venn diagram and all three of those parts overlapping, uh, that to me is this film and it is about as near to perfect of a historical drama biopic as I think we're probably going to get this year. As of right now, this is probably my third favorite movie of the year right behind, right behind Mad Max and Ex Machina, both of which I had also give a 10 out of 10 to. Um, This is just really amazing. And I, I can't, recommended enough and when Spielberg always seems like he's at his best when he's doing um historical drama absolutely i mean this is this is the spielberg who made schindler's list this is the spielberg who made lincoln and man there is stuff in here that is oscar bait through and through uh there's a scene where tom hanks is testifying in front of the supreme court about goodness and how the only way we're going to win the Cold War is by showing that we're the better ideology and that we treat people more fairly and we play by the rules. That is the stuff Oscar Gold is made of. <laughs> um, Hanks is surely going to get nominated. Uh, the Coens will get nominated. Spielberg will get nominated. Who knows with what else uh, is coming out this year, what will actually win, but man... Uh, this is absolutely amazing. Yeah, well, it sounds like the, the same speech that could be made nowadays with some of other enemy combatants that are being held in certain places without bond or trial or anything else. Absolutely, and <laughs> that's the that's the brilliance of a movie like this is that this isn't just about the Red Scare, even though uh, they certainly go to great lengths to show the kind of silliness of 
the Red Scare in retrospect. Mm -hmm. But we are going to look back on the 2000s in the same way uh, in, in 2050. So, you know, this is absolutely appropriate for our time, in some ways more so. Uh, because it's what it's about what fear will do to us mm-hmm. about uh, what paranoia and mutually assured destruction will do to us um, seems like an interesting companion piece to the upcoming Trumbo uh, biopic coming out which uh, I'm very um, excited for yeah starring Brian Cranston uh, in fact there there's an interesting scene you'll notice as uh, Tom Hanks is walking through the streets of West Berlin. Uh, he walks by a movie theater, and they're actually playing Spartacus there. So, oh, that's uh, awesome. Not, not sure if that's a nod um, by Spielberg, knowing that uh, this was also coming out, and uh, knowing who Trumbo was and the and the whole issue with the blacklist, or if that was just a, a piece of uh, historical detail to try and set it uh, firmly yeah. in the time period. Either way... It works, and it's interesting. I would hope it's, it's Spielberg giving us a wink and a nod to what happened back then and everything else with you know, the Red Scare, the Blacklist, all that yep. kind of fun stuff. Cool. Well, another movie that we'll move on to, which is also really good uh, and not quite as intense, uh, is the Goosebumps movie, which stars Zach, uh, Jack Black as R.L. Stein, the writer of the, I'd say, pretty famous kids' horror, mo- horror books from the early 90s um, and a TV show around the same time. So... What was really fun about Goosebumps was, you know, when we go into screenings, certain ones you walk in and you're just sitting there like, oh, when is this going to be over? Because it just doesn't sound like it's an intriguing idea or you know, just there's something about it that you're just like, like Pixels. You walked into Pixels expecting a crappy Adam Sandler movie and that's kind of what you got. So with Goosebumps, all of us were the same way. We're sitting there and we're like, oh. And then it started playing and actually became charming and funny and something that the adults probably will like more than even the kids. Uh, but before I get there, let me just kind of sum up the story. So um, so before I get too much into the review part of it, let me just give you a quick plot summary. So uh, Zach Cooper, who's played by Dylan Minnette, who you saw recently in Let Me In, the vampire movie, he and his mom are moving to a small town of Madison, Delaware, uh, from New York City. He's a typical teenager, a little bit more withdrawn, though, because his father passed away a year ago. He's still kind of getting over that. So he starts going to school, and he's just kind of trying to fit in and notices that his next-door neighbors uh, are very reclusive. There's a man, played by Jack Black, who says his name is Mr. Shivers, lives there with his daughter, Hannah, who's played by Odea Rush, and he's like, oh, you can't talk to my daughter, leave us alone, you know, blah, 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 slams the doors on him. So he's kind of trying to figure out what's going on. Well, anyways, one night she sneaks out. The two of them kind of go on an impromptu, I guess we could say, date to an old abandoned amusement park in the woods, which is a really, really cool setting. They get back, and Jack Black's character freaks out, yells at him. Anyways, so Zach gets worried, hears them yelling and screaming, so calls the cops. Cops go over there, nothing's there. Well, the next night he breaks into the house uh, with his friend he met from school, who's played by Ryan Lee. Uh, his name is Champ, who was kind of like the dorky kid everyone makes fun of, so cool call him Chump every now and then. But he's a nice kid. They go over there and trying to find out what happened to Hannah, what's going on, and they notice that there's this bookshelf that's filled with locked manuscripts. Like the manuscripts of these books are literally have padlocks on them. 
and start looking through them and realize that these are all the old, old original Goosebumps uh, manuscripts, the old stories, like, you know, this Abominable Snowman of Pasadena, uh, Revenge of the Dummy, that kind of stuff. Well, they open one up, and what, what, what happened, boom, the uh, monsters of the book actually come out of the book, come to life, start going through the town, and they realize that this Mr. Shivers guy is R.L. Stein, and that his imagination was so powerful that he had to lock his these creatures up because they would come to life when you open the books. Um, anyway, so everything goes crazy. They're trying to get these monsters back in the books. Um, and they're, in the meantime, trying to get revenge on him, R.L. Stein, because, you know, he's kept them in prison in these books for decades and everything else. And, and basically, wackiness ensues, and they all have to work together to, <clears throat> to stop the monsters. So, like I said, it's, I, I went into it thinking, ah, oh, crap, this is going to be meh. Um, but it's really funny. Uh, the kids loved it. It's a, it's not really scary. It's a tiny bit scary, uh, but they're gonna have a lot of fun with it because it's all these cool little monsters. They are, are fun. Parents will like it because it's actually smart, and there's a lot of jokes that are gonna go right over their heads that they'll enjoy. In fact, I would say we were probably laughing more than the kids were. Um, but overall, it was just, it's one of the surprise movies of the year. Um, I liked it a lot more than I thought it would, so I'm giving it an eight. I, I think that's really smart, and they seem to have hit right in the demographic heart right here because the Goosebumps books were super popular with us growing up and now people of our age are at the age where we are starting to have our own kids and so to be able to meld something that holds a, a lot of nostalgia for us and that we can then take our kids to great I, that seems like a lot of fun it was kind of hilarious though my kids were just like nope not interested <laughs> oh, like, um kid, don't you want to go see the goosebumps movie i heard it was really good nope yeah and it's nostalgia plays an important part in that because like you mentioned when i was when we were kids i mean dude goosebumps books were the thing i mean we'd go down to target what every other week when a new one came out um somewhere in california in my parents garage there's just a mountain of goosebumps books that <laughs> We went through as kids, but you know, as Pixel showed, nostalgia will only take you so far. So again, this movie's smart, it's funny, and one of the best parts is is Jack Black actually plays more of a restrained character. He's not crazy typical, um, you know, School of Rock or uh, even like Tenacious D type Jack Black. And it's actually interesting because this movie was directed by Rob Letterman, who also did Gulliver's Travels, which Jack Black was in. And there actually are a couple of cool little throwbacks to that movie um some scenes are almost kind of direct shot by shot remakes of it but interesting because that did not feel like a very good movie to me but um from what i'm hearing about goosebumps i'm actually kind of intrigued yeah no it's it, it was it's funny I mean, there's a you know every single goosebumps monster you could possibly imagine come pops up on screen for at least a cameo uh, the only thing we didn't notice was i think the haunted mask which kind of makes sense because the main character in the book, if I remember, you know, has to put the mask on to become the creature. Uh, but you get the werewolves, you get Slappy the Dummy from Knives of the Living Dummy books. He's actually kind of the ringleader who's in charge of everything. Uh, you get the Abominable Snowman, you get the werewolf, you get all kinds of cool stuff. So it's, it's a lot of fun. If you're worried about, oh crap, my kids want to go see this, I don't want to, I don't want to put up with it. Trust me, you'll have a good time. They'll laugh their butts off. It's not really scary, so they're not going to go home and want to sleep with the lights on. Um, I think it could very easily become a new 
kind of Halloween classic for families. That's great. It's always good to have one of those in your back pocket. Uh, there's there's a lot of actually really good movies directed at kids that are kind of scary that are pretty good for adults too. Paranorman was great, and uh, Corpse Bride. There's just a lot in that genre to mind mm-hmm. that both scary, fun, and um, and engaging for adults as well. Oh, and last year's uh, Book of the Dead, which wasn't as much a Halloween movie, although tiny, tiny little bit maybe. Right, and actually, you, you, interesting you brought up Paranorman because that was the the last movie I could think of that was great for kids, but just as much, if not more, fun for adults. Yeah. So. Uh, and speaking of adults, this next one is definitely one you won't want to bring your kids to. Uh, Andy, why don't you tell us about Crimson Peak? Uh, yes, and please, to the people who brought their two-year-old to our screening of Crimson Peak... Are you serious? I don't care that I'm judging you. You are a bad parent. No, <laughs> absolutely not. That is terrible. No one should bring their child to this movie, especially not to a preview press screening, because... Oh my gosh, the blood, the horror. (laughs) Guillermo del Toro uh, writing and directing, and it is Guillermo del Toro at his best, which means probably not safe for children unless you scare them so much that they are going to need psychiatric treatment. (laughs) Um, This is is a, a... a great film, really heavy on style, um, maybe lacking a little bit in substance, but there's still quite a bit of substance here. So this is a ghost story, except it's not really a ghost story. It has ghosts in it, but as uh, the main character, Edith, explains in her opening monologue as she's splattered with blood talking from after the climax of the movie. It has ghosts in it, but it's not really about the ghosts. They're more of a metaphor. Uh, Young Edith, at a young age, has had some run-ins with ghosts, specifically a spirit which warns her to beware Crimson Peak. And um, so growing up knowing this, well, she has become a budding writer who is interested in all sorts of uh, fantastical stories and she's trying to uh, write the next great novel but oops it keeps getting rejected because well her handwriting is so feminine they know automatically that it's a girl so uh, they don't want it unless it has romance in it and she has a story with ghosts but it's not really about the ghosts either Um, so She's got to throw some romance in there to make the editors happy, right? Right. So just like that, enter Tom Hiddleston playing Thomas Sharp and his sister Lucille, played by Jessica Chastain. She was absolutely fantastic in this role. Oh my gosh, she is the best part of this movie. Oh, she is. Oh, so creepy. Anyway, these two show up uh, literally on Edith's doorstep. And uh, they've come from England where they own a large palatial estate known for producing this thick red clay 
that produces some of the best masonry in the entire world. But they've fallen on some hard times. They're trying to revitalize. And he's seeking investors to help him finish a machine that will uh, make everything profitable again. Well, uh, while he's there, uh, they kind of end up getting thrown together in a whirlwind romance. And she finds herself suddenly whisked away to this old drafty house. And by drafty, I mean it's got a huge effing hole in the ceiling (laughs) through which leaves and snow fall. And when this wicked east wind blows, uh, the house groans and creaks um, as as it kind of... Because it breathes, they say. Yeah, it says it, it breathes. So, wow, super heavy on atmosphere. And the best part about this, Del Toro actually built the inside of that house. He built all of that so that they could do these amazing shots as they're going up this three, four-storied uh, grand hall. Uh, and you're seeing the people as they're running down stairwells and uh, and so on and so forth. It's just absolutely amazing. Oh, and speaking of the atmosphere, remember that red clay I was talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, the house is so dilapidated, it's seeping up through the floorboards in some places, and it literally bleeds down the stonework <laughs> in the walls. Oh, my gosh. So... Everything, the colors in this are to the nines. Um, it's this beautiful marriage of practical film work with building this amazing set and then using those digital touch-ups to just make it look like it's technicolor. It's just absolutely gorgeous. But the, the real shining star, like we said before, is Jessica Chastain as um as the sister lucille uh she's got something going on she's got another agenda and you know despite the the little love affair going on between edith and thomas uh she's got her own agenda and um well things happen by the end (laughs) yes you can say that it gets it gets a little uh I guess Game of Thronesy, can we say? Yes, it gets Game <laughs> of Thronesy in in all of the ways that Game of Thrones is Game <laughs> of Thronesy. Um, lots of lots of blood. Oh, and ghosts and the supernatural. But it's not really about the ghosts and the supernatural. It's about the story. Um, but man, this just is an amazing triumph of visual storytelling. Um, that being said, I thought the plot itself was maybe a little weak and other than Lucille the characters were maybe a little bit weak but I I had an amazing time watching this um, except for those times I had to turn away and hide my eyes from the screen because it things happened that were just even too out there for me I haven't had to do that since Evil Dead oh so, wow really yeah no I'm I've got a pretty good stomach for movie violence and and jump scares and so forth, but this the one I think you know the part that I'm talking about. Oh, where, I know. Yeah, yeah, I had to cover my eyes for that. 
it was funny. We went and um, saw it again yesterday with some friends who hadn't seen it. So it was really fun to kind of sit there and watch for their reactions when certain things are going to happen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, I mean, Del Toro, he's, he's just a master with setting atmosphere. And like you'd mentioned, the house that's literally bleeding clay. I mean, it, it looks like just bloody walls. Or when you step on the floorboards, it seeps up from underneath. And um, when it snows, it actually seeps the snow. So it looks like you're walking around in a sea of blood. Um, yeah, the atmosphere and just the, the creation of this house is, is the best part of this film. Um, aside from Jessica Chastain, who is fantastic. <clears throat> yeah, it's 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 a spectacle. Uh, we got to see it in IMAX. And it was IMAX 2D, not 3D, which was kind of, I haven't seen one of those in a while. If you get a chance to go see it that way, definitely do it. Um, but yeah, it's gorgeous. Now, the fact that it's a story about ghosts instead of ghost story doesn't change the fact that the ghosts are still creepy as hell. Oh my um, gosh, they are. Yeah, and there's... And there's some good scenes uh, where, you know, there's some good jump scares, we'll say. Um, I didn't, it didn't, normally I'm, I'm total, I'm total, um, totally scared of scary movies and I'm always looking away or doing stuff, but this one didn't get me. I guess I was just so wrapped up in what was happening. Um, this, like I said, the story itself is, yeah, it's a little bit contrived, nothing we haven't seen before, but it's all overshadowed by just, I mean, great acting and just this masterful cinematography like i want to go to the soundstage like the, the house he built like and just like spent hours walking around to see what it's like because it is oh it's it's absolutely gorgeous yeah it's it's this beautiful gothic love story when it comes right down to it and so even though it's even though it, it definitely seems like a halloween movie it seems almost like a valentine's day movie too uh, this is kind of the overlap between like uh, I don't know if you took like Jane Eyre and the fall of the House of Usher. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's uh, um, it's it's just that weird mishmash between like the Brontes and Edgar Allan Poe or or something. It's just really really beautiful and um, and a lot of fun for for adults only. Yeah, no, it's and it's I mean, it's it did get an R rating. Uh, they pushed really, really hard to get that. It was, I can see why. That being said, it really is only for like one or two scenes. Um, so if you've got kids who are the 15, 16 year old range, it's probably fine for them to see. I mean, obviously, you know, your kids better than we do, but no, it's, it's not for the young ones, you know, keep, keep them at home. Yeah. I would not let my smaller children see this, but depending on what kind of teenagers they are, I mean, they're, there might be 13, 14 year olds who could be ready for some of this, but I would say check it out first and then know your kids and share appropriately. Yeah. So um, I absolutely loved it though. Uh, I'm in a nine. I think you were a little less than that. Yeah. But only at an 8.5. Okay. So. Yeah. So it's, again, it's a, it's a fantastic week for movies overall. Bridge of Spies, definitely getting the, uh, the musty movie of the week, but really close behind it is both Crimson Peak and Goosebumps, so definitely check those out, and then uh, Beast, uh, Beast of No Nation. Beast of No Nation, thank you, yeah. on Netflix if it's not playing your local theater, so. Um, and considering the fact that we had mainly Halloween movies this week, uh, we are going to roll over our Halloween movie categories from last week, so again, it's still Disney movies or funny horror movies that we're going to talk about, because um, next week actually has pretty much no horror movies, uh, we've got Rock the Casbah, which is uh, Bill Murray 
going to Afghanistan to do shenanigans. Um, Steve Jobs, the biopic starring Michael Fassbender, and the one I know we're all excited for, Gem and the Holograms. It's truly, truly, truly outrageous. <laughs> so At this point, Gem is the only one of these three that I haven't seen. I am excited to talk about both uh, Aaron Sorkin's script and Fassbender's performance in Steve Jobs uh, and Rock the Casbah, because there's a lot to talk about with both. Yeah, and uh, I just saw Rock the, Cas- uh, Rock the Casbah today, and I know we've already had some discussions about it, so I'm looking forward to that next week. Um, but yeah, everyone have a good rest of the week. Uh, go on our Facebook page and vote for scary movies that are funny or scary Disney movies. And we will see you next week. And enjoy that new Star Wars trailer. Yes, enjoy it. And get your tickets if it doesn't crash the website. <laughs> Hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key, he's gonna 